0: This is Adrian Paul from Highlander and you're listening to the Dead TV Podcast. Welcome back to the Dead TV Podcast, a podcast dedicated to any and all canceled TV series in the science fiction, fantasy, and horror genre, or horror comedy, in this case, that we've been covering for the last few weeks. And I am your host, Dr. Chris.
1: And I'm Mr. Seneca.
0: And just before we jump into the episode, I wanted to point out some popular posts that are on the website from Ancient Times. Spawn, Season 3, Episode 4, 5, and 6 has been popping up. I
1: remember doing that
0: one. Spawn has been popping up a lot Probably because the fourth series of the ongoing comic books of Spawn was launched this past week called The Scorcher. The Scorcher is basically She Spawn. So instead of calling her She Spawn, they're giving her an actual name, The Scorcher. But yeah, there's also King Spawn, Gunslinger Spawn, and one other Spawn book. So there's four ongoing Spawn titles now. When we did the animated series, there was just the one. Just the one that had been going since 1992.
1: That's delightful to hear. I really do like Spawn.
0: Yes. And then also the Adams family, episodes 12 and 13 matchmaking and dancing. Nice. I think that's from season one, which is great. Email from somebody who listened to the podcast, which is fantastic. Listen to the max coverage.
1: Ooh, we've got fan mail.
0: <laughs> we've got listener mail.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. All right.
0: The email from the Spider-Man History Channel says, Hi, I wanted to say I really loved the Max episodes you did for the podcast. And really enjoyed oh, the host uh, Really enjoyed the host opening up about her own trauma and abuse. I am really looking forward to hearing your coverage of Alien Nation after Reaper. Keep up the good work.
1: Aw, oh, thank you so much.
0: So we're going to jump now into the episode The Cop. The first of the two episodes we're covering tonight here on the Dead TV Podcast.
1: Reaper Season 1, Episode 8, The Cop originally aired November 13th, 2007. Sock becomes obsessed with Gladys after she comes into the workbench and makes some questionable purchases. He and Ben follow her home and suspect she may be hiding bodies in her house. Meanwhile, the devil gives Sam an expensive watch as a gesture of gratitude for all his hard work. Unfortunately, Sam discovers the devil was setting him up to take the rap for a murder, the latest escaped soul committed.
0: And if I didn't know I was watching an episode of Reaper, I swear I thought I was watching an episode of The X Files because Mitch Pileggi looks like Skinner in a suit and a trench coat, no matter what show he's on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he is Skinner.
0: He is Skinner every time he wears a trench suit, a, a trench coat, and a suit. I mean, when he's like, you know, playing frumpy, you know, pain in the ass Grandpa on Supernatural in season six, which would air in a couple, se- a couple of years after the season of Reaper or you know something terrible on Supergirl. He was a Leviathan. It was absolutely awful. I always go back to every time I see him in a suit is the head of the uh, – the assistant director to the FBI, uh, Walter Skinner, from all the seasons of The x that he was on in, in the movies.
1: Yeah, and he was great. He was creepy. It was awesome.
0: Yes, um, so he is our guest of the episode. He's pretty much the only really kind of like new character introduced into the episode. We have a couple of minor characters here and there, like Jason Griffin who plays the court officer or Scott Patte, who plays Frank Potts. But it was great to see Mitch Pelleggi on the show, if only just for one episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's a quality actor. Definitely plays detectives and investigators a lot
0: he does he absolutely does so the episode opens up with the guys trying to assemble some stuff and gladys shows up out of nowhere which triggers sock's absolute love for her and they follow her around the store trying to figure out what she's doing until she runs into him and she's just like "Ugh, it's you guys
1: <laughs> yeah yeah Sock has some sort of I don't know, curiosity about Gladys? Like, what does she do I think he's got
0: a demon fetish.
1: Maybe he was curious about what she did over Halloween. Mm. Because she does party hard.
0: Mm. Um, Yes, as evident in the movie Trick or Treat, which she's in. (laughs) Well, the actress is.
1: (laughs) Yes, she is.
0: (laughs) And she doesn't look too dissimilar. (laughs) So Trick or Treat came out in 2007. This show ran from 2007 to 2009. Perfect. Yeah, so it's definitely, it looks like her, and she's drunk in that movie, and a little creepy, too. (laughs) She's got a body in the trunk.
1: Well, I mean, it looks like the shape of a body. We don't really know for certain.
0: I didn't realize there's a Dog of the Month award at businesses. That can't be a real thing anymore. That probably was a thing.
1: I've never heard that.
0: Never even back in the day before we became super PC and everything has to be inclusive and everyone can't no. be offended and everything has to be you, you you really don't think they did a they they called out the bad employees in front of all the other employees before HR finally said, Okay, we can't do that anymore.
1: Okay. I worked at my first job I was Kmart. Oh god. I was there <laughs> I, I was there for a while, so I was, you know, definitely retail, definitely the type of job. We know, what, know what the K done.
0: stood for in Kmart when Mr. Zeneca worked there. <laughs>
1: not until i was gone
0: <laughs> no no i it k-said for k- kinky
1: yeah it was that like that when i left
0: oh i made a kinky oh okay kinky <laughs> it was kinky mark <laughs>
1: yeah they did not have a dog of the month they had just the employee of the month and if you didn't actually work to your best capacity uh they just had a good talking to you
0: oh I have tattoos. I don't remember. Do you have tattoos?
1: Well, I don't actually have any graphic tattoos. I occasionally get my eyelids tattooed for uh, permanent eyeliner. Oh. But that does wear off after some time.
0: Oh. Do you get your eyelids? Yes. I mean, they, like, jab into your eye. The, the eyelids are only the th- thin piece of skin against your eyeballs. Do they pull I mean, your... They,
1: these are, like, not the tattoo needles that you would use. Oh, okay.
0: Use oh, your oh your my eyeball. God. I like. I, I listen. I knew you were into some really weird stuff, but Jesus Christ! I'm just picturing <laughs> you. I, I swear to God, that image is in my head right now.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's, it's the it's permanent eyeliner. Okay. It looks, it looks great on me when it's when it's fresh. That's and then fine. It
0: wears off. Okay, I was gonna. I'm gonna be eating um the uh the Batman pizza. By the way, is out right now, and I have to have it. And I was gonna have some, but not after that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, you're sick uh, I, I'm a little um, a little queasy oh, about getting your eyelids tattooed. Stomach. I know, yes. But speaking of dinner, the devil takes Sam to a very nice dinner and then leaves him there.
1: <laughs> yeah, stiffing him with the bill.
0: Because uh, the devil's a jackass. And he gives him a watch, too. The watch is the victim's watch, not like a present because he's employed a month. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It, this, this entire episode is an exercise in setting Sam up, having him believe that Something's being nice, and then it's not really nice, but it ends up actually full circle because those things had to be on him in order to, you know, pull the final steps. It's the long game.
0: Exactly. The guys go to, after checking out Gladys's shopping list, they go to court, and the bird plus six equals something. They can't quite figure it out. They're trying to put the pieces together. The bird is a cardinal of course and I guess the cardinal makes sense if you think before we get to what it's actually supposed to be I was thinking the cardinal represents the devil
1: I was actually thinking that the cardinal might be a position hierarchy position the cardinal of you know the, the diocese but it was not that
0: Do you uh do you remember what sock says when he they're called being nasty
1: Oh what does he say
0: He says we eat nasty for breakfast <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah <laughs> great
0: the guys uh, are pulling some bullshit with the judge pretending to be like uh students of law and of course josie works at that courthouse <laughs>
1: yeah she works there and she you know marched right in something strange is happening like what are you guys doing here they're pretending to write an article about curtis dean may our villain for this episode
0: and finally we get a fucking vessel that actually makes sense
1: yes a taser
0: yes he's like yeah he's like sam's really excited by the taser
1: (laughs) i mean it does make sense you know a lot of the vessels that we've seen so far were like uh really Uh, that's a a christmas sweater yeah but this is like yeah he was arrested he's you know killed lots of people and the taser just makes sense
0: the guys go to investigate uh, after Andy and, and Sam have their typical episode of Heart to Heart, which, by the way, Mr. Zeneca pointed out to me offline, she does not like rom-coms. This, ep- this series has its central rom-com being the plot of Andy and Sam and Will They or Won't They? Every single week.
1: That's true.
0: Yes. That's true. So but I guess because, it, because it's not the central plot line of the show, this is okay.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: We've had Gomez and Morticia. We've had Spawn pining over his wife, Wanda.
1: Those are different. Right.
0: Who else did we have? We had the love romance stuff of Kindred the Embrace, the first show we ever did. We had Dracula pining over Mina. Yeah. And there was not really any romance in Friday the 13th other than Ryan wanted to bang his cousin.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there wasn't wasn't any romance. But believe me, if... If you suggested to me that we do a rom-com that's just on the edge of sci-fi, I would turn it down.
0: Gladys will cook children's brains in a stew.
1: <laughs> well, that's the threat she makes. Yeah, I bet she probably she has... Would.
0: Well, she is a demon.
1: <laughs> yeah, but like they point out in this episode, demons are former angels, so who knows if she still has those angelic tendencies. What she does to have the power of her... Is dreams because she gives sock a really hmm make out dream,
0: yeah, but let's go back to the the thing about the demon, so she is okay. probably like on did you watch the t v series Lucifer?
1: Uh, I watched a couple episodes. I haven't actually watched the full series.
0: Okay. So on the show, there's a character called Mazikeen, who's a character from the comics as well, who is like the demon that the devil brings with him to Earth or whatever because she's the most trusted demon that he puts his faith into, and she'll die for him because she, he is her master. But he, you know, snips that cord to be like, no, 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 we're, we're, not, we're not that way anymore. You're just my employer. You know, I'm going to pay you. I feel like Gladys is kind of like Mazikeen for the devil because they talk about how the devil, that, that a lot of the demons are these fallen angels that rose up with Lucifer to fight against God.
1: Yeah, but Gladys doesn't really seem close to the devil at all. You know, she just seems like a regular employee. You know, they don't seem to have history.
0: Mm, Maybe there's episodes coming up about Gladys, so we'll okay. we'll get to that. Um, I don't remember all the plot details, but there are, there are Gladys centered episodes coming up.
1: Okay, I am watching this fresh. So
0: sock and bed break into Gladys's house, and she goes. Freaking psycho on them! <laughs>
1: well, wouldn't you t- too if two dorks that you knew broke into your house just to snoop around?
0: Yeah, the whole neighborhood comes out to watch her too. Like they are not. She does not make friends in this neighborhood. I have a feeling for so two guys breaking into her house. She, I don't feel like it gets the neighborhood on her side.
1: Yeah, no, not at all. You know, and everything in her house kind of looks very granny like. You know, hard candies, knickknacks. You know, very floral patterns on things.
0: Yeah, which is where they get the whole idea about the fact that she collects cherubs because she used to be an angel herself.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and Sock kind of goes through that obsession for the rest of the episode. Featured on this episode is the song Poor Things by The Boggs. Here's a clip. Poor things moving
0: from the bedroom To the kitchen, to the cold awake The devil brings sam to a baseball field and the devil uh, we we find out the devil has set up sam to take the fall for the murderers because he's got evidence and he was at the courthouse and there's so much pointing in his direction with uh, mitch peleggy's detective character that this could be the end of sam he could go to jail for <laughs> this crap that he's not even anything to do with other than he's trying to help the police
1: true true and the devil offers him a chance to beat him up with the baseball bat. Sam tries, but can't even get one hit to cause any damage. Devil just stands there. It has no effect whatsoever. And he even gives Sam some kudos for not actually trying to hit him in the crotch.
0: What do you think Sam, the actor who plays Sam, is actually hitting? Do you think it's some type of wall in the green sc- or some type of green screen, possible uh, punching bag?
1: Possible green screen punching bag. Possible. Those two scenes were shot and he's not really hitting anything. It didn't look like the bat was really ricocheting off anything.
0: Yeah. The tattoos complete their appearance on his arm and it's the detective's home. And he figures out, puts two and two together that the detective is the next victim and he convinces the detective to take him to his house and if the guy he incarcerated and in, who was killed years ago, the suspect uh, who's now come back as this escaped soul, if what Sam says is true, then he'll you know let Sam go. Uh, but then later on he reveals that he knows who the devil is uh, why is why, is he just playing dumb to sam so he doesn't want to let on he knows about the devil
1: i think so because remember the deal with the devil that the detective made predates sam by quite a lot so he made that deal for five captures five big name killers and he had completed four of those so he was the cop was looking to actually capture his fifth one and sam was going to be it regardless if he actually did it because he doesn't want to explain that a dead guy came from hell in order to kill these people and he can't possibly collar him so he wants sam to take the rap and then the devil steps in and turns the gun in his direction and the cop just shoots himself in the face.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of hoping Punch would be a recurring character, but uh, nope. <laughs> that does not yeah. happen the way you think it's going to.
1: But the big fight between Curtis May and Sam and, and the detective, that was actually pretty good. They, it was a fireballs. and He was basically taking his tattoos, raising them off, off of his body, and then making those his weapons. He did it in the courthouse when he strangled the judge with a piece of barbed wire, and the barbed wire was like one of those tattoos on his arm. And then he does the fireballs with a flaming neck tattoo. It was pretty cool.
0: So the guy who played Curtis Meg, do you know what Chuck Wagon is, Professional Chuck Wagon is?
1: Professional Chuck Wagon? No.
0: He is apparently a five-time world champion of Professional Chuck Wagon. I don't know what that is. It's in Alberta, Alberta, Canada, of course, because the show was shot in Canada. But yeah, this is the guy who plays Curtis May, who, by the way, reminds me of the character El Diablo from uh, the Suicide Squad movie, not the oh, Suicide yeah. Squad, the first Suicide Squad movie.
1: Yeah, with the tattoos and had. The,
0: yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The one Will Smith was in, not the one Idris Elba was in. <laughs> who mm-hmm. basically, by the way, they almost the same kind of character. <laughs> They're both proficient at guns. They both have, like, estranged daughters. They're both black. You're like, hmm. This is not Bloodsport, by the way. Bloodsport has, like, a brother who fought in the war to take his brother's place because his brother didn't want to fight in the war and got himself, like, a quadruple amputee because of it. And he feels guilty about it, so he decides to take his revenge and anger out on, like, military and, like, political stuff. And Superman got in his way and shot him with a kryptonite bullet. That is Bloodsport in the comics, not the copycat Will Smith character. <laughs> ah. Yeah, a lot of people are just like, I, "I this just seems like the same character from the other movie, but it's played by a better actor, in my opinion. I'm like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Greg and Andy break up after, by the way, Greg got into a slap fight with Sam earlier in the episode. And Andy can't accept Sam's gift because it's too hard because of their past. Oh, she runs away crying. It's so tragic. It's so romantically blah.
1: (laughs) He was warned that giving a girl, you know, such a
0: nice gift.
1: It's expensive. It's a nice gift. Expensive, expensive gift would be seen as him trying to be more than friends. Right. In fact, he does want to be more than friends. But she doesn't want to be more than friends because Josie earlier in the episode suggested that, well, once you do become boyfriend and girlfriend, going back to being friends afterwards is pretty difficult because she can't really be friends with Sock anymore.
0: And that's the most romantic, mushy, dramatic stuff of the episode, which I absolutely hate because it seems a little bit too, like, I I don't know, overplayed, overacted. I, I didn't like it. Sam gets his real employee of the month gift. He gets a get-out-of-hell-free card.
1: Now, you got to keep that. You yes. definitely have to keep that. It
0: becomes a very important plot line in another episode coming up. Because we know Sam wait. is indentured to the devil for the rest of his life, but what could this card mean? You'll have to wait and see.
1: We do find out in this episode that Sock was like seven years old and six foot tall. Which, looking at the guy, he definitely grew into his body in, for, as, for the character. But they called him Growth Spurt Bert, Bert and Bert the Beanstalk. And there's this little touching moment where he was, you know, a bit teary-eyed about all these names that kids kids were cruel and called him. It, it's, to, empath, to kind of empathize with Gladys.
0: It's also funny that this is the first time that something comes back up from the shoot, from the DMV, to give to Sam. Because they take the gun. Gladys makes her comment to Sock about, I infiltrated your dream, so you would get the point to leave me the F alone. And then she gets the gift from the devil to give to Sam. Why the devil didn't just give it to him to begin with? Why didn't he just leave it with the vessel whatever it's just i mean i guess if you have a shoot system you might as well use it to deliver messages to your reaper
1: the devil works in mysterious ways
0: yeah (laughs) i'm waiting to see i'm trying to remember if daniel webster shows up on this show but i might be mixing my memory up with another show that had daniel webster show up on it sabrina in the second or third episode of that show on netflix sabrina's chilling adventures Mm -hmm. daniel webster shows up because it's the only person who had ever defeated the devil Which you think, this might be something Sam needs. If Daniel Webster is the only person who ever beat the devil, he might need Daniel Webster's help.
1: I mean, you could also seek out Constantine, but you know.
0: Different universe. Different
1: different universe.
0: That Mm -hmm. is it for this episode, The Cop, on the Dead TV Podcast. By the way, this episode was directed by Peter Lauer, who has a long history in television, directing episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Scrubs as well to right, take a break. Mr. Zeneca is gonna talk to us about Brimstone.
1: I was a cop. When my wife was raped. I caught the guy who did it, and I killed him. Two months later, I died. I went to hell. <laughs> 113 of the most vile creatures
0: escaped. They think they'll beat the devil. Nobody beats me. So how am I supposed to send him back? The eyes, windows to the soul. Destroy the eyes and the damned get a one-way ticket back home to hell. But it's not hell you should be scared of. It's losing your
1: second chance at life on earth. Time to give the devil his due. It's Brimstone, Episode 2, Heat originally aired October 30th, 1998. Hi, I'm Ezekiel Stone. You know, being the devil's bounty hunter wasn't much different than being a cop. Sometimes you gotta catch the people that don't deserve to be caught. But you do it because the powers that be demand punishment. When I got to California, I expected to track down my wife. I didn't expect that it would lead me to my next case. I started my search at the University of California Berkeley campus. My wife, well, <laughs> my widow, had started school there back when we were together, but she never completed her degree. I got a glimmer of warmth when I heard she finally got that diploma. B.A. of Education. She always wanted to be a teacher. I've always felt a little guilty about that. Rosalind dropped out of college because we were going to start a family. And, uh um, well, we were never blessed with a child. A fact that the devil enjoyed throwing in my face. As amusing as it might have been for him to convince co-eds to be strippers, I wasn't amused. The devil just being there meant that he had a case for me. Another of the 112 souls left. No case files, no name, just a poem as a clue. Love wants a knight for a lover, good with his weapons and sweet-tongued. A lady who lies with a man like that is clean of all her sins. The poem mentioned a knight, like a suit of armor knight. Since I was already in a place of worldly knowledge, I went directly to the medieval studies department. Home run. Not only did I get the info on the author, Bertrand de Bourne, a 12th century warrior poet, but I also found out about a freak accident involving the professor, Professor Albright. Massive burns on his back and all good chance it was the soul's handiwork. So I decided to go back to the scene of the crime for some good old-fashioned detective work. A book with a charred palm print was proof enough for me that I needed to pay Professor Albright a visit. Only he would know who he was with that night and who used their hot palms on his back. However, he still kept up the accident story and he was kind of a dick too. Accused me of being on the LAPD, I'm former NYPD. I was almost insulted. Going back to textbook procedures, I checked out Professor Albright's office. I found a stack of letters, obviously, from the young female lover, Valerie, and I followed the lead. When I finally got to Valerie's dorm room, I thought I found the soul. For a second. She was sticking pins into a doll effigy of the man, for crying out loud. I said a second, because one of the pins drew blood right away an impossible act for a damn soul. Turns out she was just a heartbroken goth girl. Professor Albright slept around, and she was one of his many conquests. I was starting to get the picture of who Professor Albright really was. He was a slime ball, using his position to bed female students and then break their hearts. Valerie turned to black magic. Honestly though, it took a lot of self-control not to laugh when she talked about devil worship. But what do I know? She tries to put a curse on him, and he gets burned, so I told her to keep up the good work. After that, I knew I needed Professor Albright to fess up. Sergeant Ash caught me awkwardly at the hospital, trying to visit dear Professor again. So I went under the cover of darkness, but just my luck, he was being guarded. The cops were alerted and I ran. They cornered and shot me. I flashed the badge, but decided to jump off the hospital balcony anyway. There was a new victim, a 20-year-old. I found out about it in the paper. The boy was boiled alive. This was getting serious, and I needed to stop her. I finally got a name and a new lead, her therapist. Gwendolyn's therapist was obviously shaken up when I visited. I had missed her by 20 minutes, but I stuck around to see where she'd go next. I was utterly taken aback when she told me about Gwen being the victim of rape. How could I punish her after that type of trauma? The devil appeared beside me in an elevator, as if he knew that I was having second thoughts, which I was. He told me her whole story, that she got gang-raped, then murdered the boys, the families, their friends, all in a rage of anger. And as the devil pointed out, as bad as my anger was to kill my wife's rapist, she was the one that was actually raped. Her anger burned like a fire, Was this how my wife felt? How could I even compare my pain to hers or to Gwen's? As predicted, Gwen called her therapist. We Star 69. No, it's not what you think. It's a new telephone thing. To call the person back that just called you, you just push Star 69. Amazing advancements in phone technology. Gwen was at a nightclub, so I pursued. As Gwen was leaving a string of victims burned alive, including our dear professor, I was able to follow her. Saved one man as I cock-blocked him, taking his place as her target at the bar. But we went back to my place, the hotel. I understood her trauma, and so I had to tell her. If there was anyone that agreed with her that she suffered enough and understood what she was going through, in hell and here, it was me. It crushed me to have to send her back. I didn't think she deserved it. I still don't think she deserved it. But I had a duty to do. She fought like a wildcat. She caught a bullet in her teeth. I'd never seen that before. We busted through the hotel window in the fight, and I shot her in the eyes on the fire escape. Fire escape. The irony was not lost on me, but all I could do was sit down and cry afterwards. God damn devil made me do it. I'm sorry, Gwen, I'm sorry. In the role of Gwendolyn DeBar is Chad Morgan. You can see her on The Purge Anarchy as Janice. She's been on episodes of CSI New York and Miami. She plays Beth Mannion in The District and on Taken, the TV miniseries, as Becky Clark as an adult. And you can also hear her on various episodes of Robot Chicken, including the role of Princess Leia. In the role of Professor Albright is Tim Dekay, who began his career playing Lawrence Dion on Sequest 2032. He was also on a couple episodes of Seinfeld as Kevin, Dr. Paul Thomas on Party of Five, and played the role of Clayton Jonesy Jones on Carnival. And recently, he's been on the show Here and Now as Stephen Benjamin. In the role of the therapist, Dr. Julia Martin, is Lindsay Krause, who started her career in 1976 on the TV miniseries Eleanor and Franklin as Marjorie Bennett. She was the voice of Princess Lisa in the movie Kroll, and a featured character on Hill Street Blues as Kate McBride. But you might recognize her from Buffy the Vampire Slayer as she plays Professor Maggie Walsh. One of her last major roles was on Law and Order Special Victims Unit as Arraignment Judge D. Andrews. And our devil-worshipping goth girl Valerie was played by Holly Fields. She began her career on the pilot for Married with Children in 1987. Back then she was also on episodes of Quantum Leap, Elf, Dragnet, Charles in Charge, Growing Pains and The Monsters Today. After Brimstone, she starred on an episode of Charmed and on the OC. In the Shrek franchise, she plays Princess Fiona on all the video games. And most recently, you can find her on the Star Wars Old Republic video games as Nadia Grell. This was another excellent episode. I really enjoyed it. Gwen's story is just so sad and yet so relatable. Things like that happened in medieval times a lot. Noblemen having their fun at the expense of the serfs under church protection. It's very sad. However, I need to clear up some inaccuracies. The poem that's referenced in this episode by Bertrand de Bourne, who was born in 1140 and died in 1215, is called, Well Do I Love the Cheerful Spring. The music you've been hearing in the background is that poem in French. The last verse of that poem is, Love wants a chivalrous lover, skilled at arms and generous in serving, who speaks well and gives greatly, who knows what he should do and say in and out of his halls, as befits his power. He should be full of hospitality, courtesy, and good cheer. A lady who lies with such a lover as that is clean of all her sins. I believe they changed it for this episode just to shorten it up and get rid of some of the other traits that Professor Albright didn't have. It's a poem about the glorification of warfare, and the last verse there, he talks about how women love men who are like that. She is a stand-in character, an archetype designed to uphold the old codes of warfare and renew the spirit of war through material desire. Bertrand de Bourne was a French troubadour, that is a warrior poet, who indeed turned into a monk later in life to atone for his sins. So the episode got that correct. The tattoo that removes itself from Ezekiel Stone's body after her capture is not exactly, but is similar to French shield crests at that time. This episode made me ponder one question. If murder is not an appropriate punishment for rape, and rape is still a crime, then how does God actually punish rape? Hmm. I'll have to think about that. Good night.
0: And we're back with Ashes to Ashes... Which, that title has a lot of different meanings, and I'll bring up one of them right now, as Mr. Zeneca has the plot synopsis for us.
1: Reaper, Season 1, Episode 9, Ashes to Ashes, originally aired November 27th, 2007. Ben's mother and grandmother stop by the workbench for some supplies for the family reunion. However, things go sour when his grandmother accuses Sam of being evil and calls him Diablo, the Spanish word for devil. Mm. Meanwhile, Sam meets a mysterious woman named Mimi, who claims to have been the devil's girlfriend for over 20 years, and he wonders whether her daughter is the devil's daughter or not.
0: By the way, the song title, the five or six different songs I could find with just seconds looking on Google, probably the most famous, is by David Bowie.
1: Of course, Ashes to Ashes is a wonderful song.
0: Mimi in this episode, Melinda Clark, oh, be still my heart, she is... So attractive. It's the eyes. It really is. She is so fucking hot. And a lot of people in the horror community probably know her best as playing Julie Walker, the girlfriend brought back to life in Return of the Living Dead Part 3.
1: Mm-hmm. She was... She's also Kelly Donovan on The Vampire Diaries.
0: But speaking of Spawn, she's Jessica Priest, who, if you don't know who Jessica Priest is in the comic books, she is the retcon person to have killed Al Simmons for Jason Wynn. For the CIA reason why she was created is because the original character chapel uh, had to be removed from the origin of spawn because Rob Liefeld left image comics and took his toys with him, And they had tied Youngblood, which was his comic book to spawn having that character kill Al Simmons. So years later, when the spawn movie came out and Rob Liefeld had left, they cre- created Jessica priest.
1: she has been in a lot of roles. She was in Nikita as Amanda. CSI as Dr. Kessler, Lady Heather, one of my favorites.
0: And she was, uh, probably the biggest role is that she was on Days of Our Lives for 130 episodes, which is two years' worth of episodes, by the way, which makes sense because it says 89 to 90. 130 episodes of a daytime soap opera is about two to three years. <laughs> That's it. Okay. <laughs> because how often they air, you know, episodes of a soap opera is every single day. Okay. The devil has Sam be his bitch and his plumber to go help his girlfriend, who we learn about, and she meets him at the door in like negligee, and kind of starts a uh, you know like a friendship with her. The devil gets kind of pissed about it, saying, "Stop talking about it. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to talk about it." But why do you keep sending Sam over there then, if you don't want him? It. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I just kind of had a laugh to myself because I do watch Rick and Morty, so. The devil's name is Jerry. Yeah. So, <laughs> every time I was watching the interaction between the devil and Sam, I was like, You go Jerry like...
0: <laughs> The uh the vessel this time around is a hairdryer. I own one, don't you? <laughs> oh yes, of course. We didn't by the way mention I don't own a taser. Do you own a taser? You're a woman living in the uh rough parts of Philadelphia. I'm assuming you've got some kind of weapon.
1: Uh t- You overestimate the roughness of my neighborhood. Uh, No, I do not have a taser, although I did have a stun gun for many years, but that was always used recreationally.
0: IMDb, by the way, points out that there's two references of famous films in the last episode and this one. The last one had a reference to Star Wars, which I caught, and this one has a reference to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I missed that one.
1: I think I missed that too.
0: Yeah, but I guess it's in there. They don't say what the reference is. It just says Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, the Ninja Turtles. Duh, it's at the yard sale where we meet the daughter. It's right in front of our face, the action figures. Oh. <laughs> and I don't think those are that. real Ninja Turtle action fi- Okay, I'm going to point something out here. I'm a hard hard core Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fan. <laughs> and I've owned oh, a lot of turtle toys and I own a I lot of the animated help. series. I don't think those are real because they looked a little big. If you remember Ninja Turtle toys are no bigger than maybe your cell phone. You know what I mean? They were kind of squat. You know what I mean? But they could be from the 2007 movie TMNT. There was a Ninja Turtle animated CGI film which falls in the continuity with the live action films. The figures in that were a little bigger, but these look more like the 1980s cartoon. But I'm now going on a tangent about Teenage Mutant Turtles. But I absolutely love the daughter of Mimi could possibly be the devil's daughter, is a Ninja Turtle fan. That is a woman I want to marry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what if she is the devil's daughter? Would you still marry her?
0: Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then I can become the son-in-law of the Prince of Hell. <laughs> so, hey, listen, listen. You know if the, Have you seen the Daughters of the Devil? This one looks pretty hot. Charlie's Theron was pretty hot. Lucifer's daughter on Lucifer is pretty hot. You know... Mimi's daughter's name Katie, K D with a D Y, right? She was also in Ted, Prom Night, and The Hills Have Eyes too. I don't remember her in Ted as Tracy, but you know a lot of people in that Iron Fist. I... Oh, she was on Iron Fist. She was Joy on Iron. Fist. Oh, she was Joy. Me. Okay, that's where I recognize her from. She's Joy Meacham on Iron Fist, the Marvel Netflix Cinematic Universe television show. She is uh, one of the two brother sister that you know brings. Iron Fist back into the fold when he's, well, well, uh, Danny Rand, Um, she's the one who's running Rand Corporation, and, uh, and basically in charge of all the Rand money, and then when Danny Rand is found to be alive, because he didn't die, he was found by monks and turned into Iron Fist, he wants a little bit of his family's company, you know, at least something, you know what I mean, for the fact that it's his family's company, he is the heir to it, so she helps him do that, and then she gets involved with a lot of bad shady people like the Hand.
1: Katie Hansen is played by Jessica Stroop.
0: Prom Night was a terrible movie. Never ever watch it. The remake of Prom Night, not the one with Jamie Lee Curtis. The scariest part of this entire episode is not the, the whole thing with the ashes. The montage with the ashes is the funniest goddamn thing ever. Uh, no pun intended. But the devil sewing Sam's mouth shut. <gasps> ah! Ah! People do that in kink fetish stuff sometimes, and it creeps me out. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they do. I've
0: wit- witnessed. Oh, 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 yeah. no! I've
1: also, I've also witnessed someone sewing someone else's testicles to a board. Oh
0: so, God! Yeah. No God! <laughs> I do. We we see the return of Dad and tries to have a heart to heart about Andy's gift. You know, um, he points out that I had to wear your mom down and it was almost like a stalker for three years or two years. Yeah. And Sam's been trying to wear Andy down for five years. And Dad's like, oh. Well, maybe you should give up
1: on this one. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. It's not going to work, despite what TV and movies say. Don't stalk people for that. Don't. Persistence is not the answer.
0: Ben's grandma. She has the third eye. Ooh. She's got the sight. Yeah, I think she plays a lot of these Hispanic. Like I, I could tell the devil who the devil is. I remember her mostly from Lost. She was Carmen Reyes. She was the uh, she was Hugo's grandmother.
1: She's played by Lillian Hurst.
0: Yeah, and she's also on. If you remember, do you remember Dharma and Greg? That comedy show about the the Wall Street business guy who marries the hippie. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. So she played Cecilia once again, Hispanic woman who has like the third eye can see the stuff. That is literally what she's been typecast as. You look at a lot of her IMDb stuff. It's very Hispanic names. It's a lot of grandma stuff. But you look deeper into a lot of what the roles is she's playing. It's the, it's the ancient old Hispanic woman with the third eye.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, hey, if you got work, you can keep getting it. And that's what you want to do. That's totally fine. Um, she's in a new thing coming up soon. Still working today.
1: In this episode, our big bad was actually a funeral director.
0: Yeah, he was a piece of shit funeral director too.
1: (laughs) That's true. His name is Dennis Grayson and he sold body parts before the corpses were being cremated. So he would then sell body parts on the black market and then cremate whatever was left and give the family the ashes. So because he also himself became cremated, he does not have a corporeal form to inhabit on Earth. So instead of having a body, he just kind of roams in a ghost-like vapor until he can animate some ashes from one of his victims. So that whole ash-gathering montage where they're going house to house and and collecting ashes while saying that the person won free carpet from the workbench.
0: Yeah, not just free carpet, they complete recarpeting.
1: (laughs) Yeah, recarpeting the house. You know, you won. The song played there is called Tummy Tum Tum by the Dolly Rots. Here's a clip.
0: The re-carpeting job that they promised people would cost about thirty thousand dollars. Sock says.
1: Yeah, thirty thousand.
0: Now, for a minute there, I thought it was because of Sock being a complete idiot is the reason why Ben didn't want to, you know, introduce them. But uh, no, there's more to it than that.
1: Ben's grandmother is just very—I I don't know. She's very. Uh, we don't talk about Bruno.
0: Yeah, somebody lives in the house that they all completely ignore because grandma is the matriarchy of, of the of the house, and she's the she is the money too. so it's uh you saying grandma's good graces if you want a piece of that inheritance when she dies.
1: Yeah, and the, apparently the uncle got drunk at an event, and now no one is allowed to talk to him, even though he lives in the house. Yeah. We don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno.
0: I would like to be, I mean, I only have the one son. I would love to be like Christopher Plummer's character in Knives Out. You know what I mean? Vast wealth, bunch of relatives fighting over it when I die. That would be awesome.
1: (laughs) I wouldn't want my relatives to fight over whatever I leave behind.
0: I mean my 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 grandparents both died and there was nothing left. Um they they were poor. My father dies, my brother and I don't see anything. And my father was extremely well off because my stepmother's still alive and she's a big old bitch.
1: <laughs> mm. So my father died. He had said that he had money and turns out he didn't. He didn't bother making a will, so therefore none of the inheritance really got passed our way by much. Yeah, you know, so Make your will if you've got something to leave. And apparently in this episode, Ben earns his place in her will.
0: Yes. Uh, good for him. By the way, the mo- the second most disgusting thing in the episode, besides Sam getting his mouth shown shut, was the ashes being turned into mud. Gross. Oh, God.
1: Yeah, it's just water.
0: Uh, but it's human remains.
1: <laughs> yeah, but at, th- at that point, it's just bone chips. It's really just... It's really nothing.
0: Ah, uh, it's something to me. It's kind of gross.
1: I'd say I'd say that it was worse to get uh, stabbed with a fork by Ben's grandmother in Sam's hand than it was for the ashes to get.
0: Oh right, yeah, no, yeah, that that sucks for him. <laughs> uh yeah. that.
1: Screams, Diablo! And yeah. Stabs him with the fork.
0: The director of the episode, James Head, is one of those guys who seems to have done. Everything in Hollywood from director and camera operator to producer, writer, and art department. Worked on R. L. Stein's The Haunting Hour and Spooksville, The Christmas Dream, Christmas Cookies, Christmas Campfire. Do you see a
1: theme, Mr. Seneca? It's also Lubby Dubby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good work if you can get it.
0: Oh my god. You know who would have been great on this show if he ever if, if they had ever gone probably further is uh Bruce Campbell. Oh
1: yeah. That would've yeah. been
0: fantastic, but Alas, we only got the two seasons, so and uh, we're now in the middle of the first season, I believe, and I there are not a lot of episodes per season, so it's, it's not a long show we will be on all summer long, and uh, eventually we will be on a, another short show as well, Alien Nation, which will be a lot of fun, and um, the, uh, the movies that accompany that as well, which I'm really looking forward to because I just ordered on eBay the Alien Nation uh, graphic novel. Oh. Uh, comic book adaptation of the movie itself, not the TV show. It's nice. Now, I have looked and I have looked, and there is no Reaper merchandise out there, people. If there is Reaper merchandise, please let us know. Send me an email that radio at gmail.com. A lot of alienation merchandise, so we'll have a lot to cover with that. <laughs> we will be forcing Mr. Zeneca to read every one of the alienation novels to do spotlights in between the episodes. No, <laughs> kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to put it past that point because I have read a lot, you know, for you, War of the Worlds. i oh, reading H.G. Wells.
0: Oh, no, no, no. no. Alien Nation, though, had a series of novels that tied into the show. You know what I no, mean? I know. I know oh, okay. what you're
1: talking about. I'm yeah. saying, like... You know, could I read a novel in a week and a half before we have to
0: do the show? (laughs) Probably not. But we can definitely spotlight them and post them on Facebook with pictures of what the novels look like, because my roommate has all of them, so there was, like, Alienation comic books as well, so... But I I, I would love to have known if there was any Reaper merchandise out there. I can't even find t-shirts, you know what I mean? But I guess not. Uh, Mr. Zekka, did you have any other notes about this episode?
1: Yeah, the song that plays at the end when they're emptying the ashes they collected into the ocean, the song is called It's Over by Earl Greyhound. Here's a clip. I wonder what words won't make you cry till now. I to want to know, you in my life somehow? I'm losing the look that's in my eyes. Love we're
0: if you are on iTunes, whoever's listening to, sent me that email, please make that post to iTunes if you could as well. If you're not on iTunes, that's totally fine. If you don't do reviews on iTunes, make a rating with that post. That would be awesome. So thank you so very much. We will be back in two weeks with the next two exciting episodes of Reaper here on the Dead TV Podcast. Don't forget you can find us on Facebook. We'll be back in a couple weeks with another exciting episode of Reaper.
1: Good night.